Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. And welcome inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg, and I hate to start the podcast off on a somber note, but this week we we experienced the passing of a big-time figure in college football, Chris, and that was the tragic passing of Rod Bramblett, the longtime voice of the Auburn Tigers. Of course, we all remember the Iron Bowl call of the kick six. Auburn's going to win the football game. And it's one of those calls that will just live on forever. But I wanted to start with this because I wanted to get some of your thoughts about Rod and and just uh, what he meant to college football and the Auburn Tiger family. Well, you know, I didn't know Rod personally. I know what... Um you know, voices of college programs mean for the fans. Uh, I think probably in my day growing up, people were more attached to them because you didn't have the proliferation of, of the TV games. But I still think they, they're a lot because a lot of them, and you know, you're in the business, um, they become part of the program. They uh, are hired by the university. They go out and speak at fundraisers and whatnot in the off season. I just... I am just heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was a tough weekend. We lost, um, we lost Bart Starr. Yep. We lost Bill Buckner. Yep. Um, I, you know, to, you know, there was a tragic situation with a Wisconsin basketball coach that was in an accident. He and his son survived. His daughter and his wife passed away. And then mm-hmm. to hear that story and to hear Rod and his wife tragically both die. I just cannot think of anything, you know, just more heartbreaking, um, Scott, for for both to perish in a crash. I don't know how old his kids are, but, you know, for them to lose both of their parents at one time, I, you know, I just, it's just beyond tragic. Um, you know, I just ache for the family. I ache for the Auburn family. Um, way too young. It's mm-hmm. Death is never easy. It's... It's never a good way, but I just can't think of a worse way than to have both of them get lost like that. It's just beyond awful, um, horrific, and I just am um, heartbroken uh, for everyone involved. Yeah, and our thoughts and our prayers go out to the Brambrett family, the Auburn Tiger family, and everybody associated there. Just a terrible story, but we'd be remiss if we did not bring it up and and share the impact that he had, not just on the Auburn Tiger family, the SEC family, but the college football world, uh, one of the best voices in college football. Let's get into our What's Trending here in the College Football Film Room podcast in this 
Uh, final week of May is June is here, Chris, believe it or not. You know, the calendar just keeps moving, and uh, I keep getting shocked when I look up and I see, wow, it's already this date. But here we are, Memorial Day in the rearview mirror in June just around the corner. And the, the one story that has me itching my head more than any other is the ongoing transfer saga of Broom McCoy. I don't know what's going on with this kid. First, transferring from USC to Texas. Now, transferring back to USC. This is one of the stranger stories I've seen in college football in a while. Well, let me try to put some context in it. Um, He was, the plan was to go to USC. Uh, Obviously, he was tied in a lot of ways to Cliff Kingsbury. And, And, of course, Cliff, uh, we forget as he's the coach of the Arizona Cardinals, was headed to USC. And yes. so that was the the genesis of him going to USC. Um, it's not that he was unhappy, but when Cliff left, you know, he also had a lot of ties and interests in Texas. So he decided after Cliff left to, to move to Texas. Well, the USC coaches certainly wanted him, and certainly there was not any problem with the staff. It's just well, the guy that uh, mainly that mainly recruited me, that I mainly grew attached to, is not there. I I, I think I want to go somewhere else. I guess, and we're seeing this a lot. Kids as they go and they realize, you know what? Maybe getting back there is the best place for me. Uh, the grass is not always greener, and I think it's just as simple as that. There's nothing really sinister with it. In fact, the young man was you know, very respectful and polite with the USC staff when he moved on to Texas. And so the feeling was, okay, you know, he he didn't burn any bridges. There weren't any problem there. And he just, I think, uh, I don't know, maybe got homesick for USC or whatever the case may be. But I think he felt like, you know what, that probably is the place for me. And um, I think it's as simple as that. He's a big time talent. He's 6'3", he's 215, 218 pounds. He is a five-star receiver. He's very, very talented. And um, from what in, we're hearing, a, had a very strong spring at Texas. Yes, he did. He did. There's no, and there was no like problems or anything that boy, you know, uh, that, that I'm aware of. That boy, they were unhappy. They're they're disappointed at Texas, but they're, you know, it it it, it very often happens. It just in his case, the transfer is a little bit quick, a little bit um, the the gap between the transfers are a little bit uh, narrower. So it's a little bit unusual. I admit it, but. You know, it's not one of those cases where this kid is constantly unhappy, I don't think. Uh-huh. I think he just felt like he probably made – in retrospect, he probably should have never left USC. Yes. And that he made that decision based upon, you know, one guy. And he probably um, – you know, if Cliff had not gotten the Cardinal job, he would have never moved on. Live and learn. That's kind of how I see it. Now, if there's more to it, I don't know of it. And we'll see how it plays out if anything further happens. But – He's headed to USC, and uh, we'll see. Here's the thing about it. I hate to bring this up, uh, but if they don't uh, play well and, and the co- this coaching staff gets run out, is he going to want to move on after this year if they have massive changes at USC? We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where your head's going. Here's where my head is being all, you know, just wrestled, put it in a pretzel right now because uh, – 
he was maybe not going to be eligible to play as a freshman for Texas because the NCAA still had to grant for grant his request for a waiver that would give him immediate eligibility. So now he goes back to USC. Is he eligible to play this year because it's the school that he left and he transferred away from? Or does he have to sit out a year? Does he have to? How is the NCAA going to explain this one with the transfer rules? I don't know. To be honest with you, um, this is to be determined, and I'm not so sure that he will be, um, but I'll say this, and it's always uh, not a good uh, uh, bet to guess what the NCAA is going to do, (laughs) but if you look at their pattern recently, it's been very player lenient. They've been very player friendly, so... um, is that an indicator that he may be eligible? I mean, perhaps. So I, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next trending topic, and it still has to do with recruiting for the class of 2020. Notre Dame with a big ad, getting running back Chris Tyree to their class of 2020. What are you hearing about Tyree and the impact he's going to have on the Irish? Well, he's a big-time back. A lot of folks wanted him now. He's a little different type of back. He's more of a scat back. He's got really good speed. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. Like he's not the guy, traditional. Huh? Yeah. yeah, he's he's not the traditional kind of Alabama back that they normally recruit. But they were recruiting him heavily. Uh, this is a good get. It was always considered that it was a Notre Dame lean in the Penn States and the Ohio States and the Alabamas. Many of them that were interested um, all felt like he could be a a workhorse back, but do a lot of things. That can help you, but um, he, as expected, uh, decided to go to Notre Dame. So it's a great get for them, and uh, I think uh, I think one of the better backs I've seen in in terms of his ability to make plays in space. It's outstanding. He's a four star or five star guy. Yeah, uh, he's a he's really a. I think he's a five star guy as a satellite back. I think he can do a lot of things very well. That's how I've got him yeah. rated, which is really more in the blue grade area. And I I, I don't know. Um, you know, probably a little bit split four or five stars. Yeah, He's one of the better backs yeah. in the country. Yeah, I see that. How about sticking with the recruiting trail? A big get for Michigan as they land big time defensive end Braden McGregor. Looks like this guy could have an impact on the Wolverines right away. Yeah, he's from Port Huron. He's a good, strong side defensive end. He sets the edge very well against the run. Really good get for them. Notre Dame, Florida, other schools were really interested. You know, Michigan's now has got like nine. Um, early commitments, and basically uh, five of them are four-star or better. Uh, they are recruiting very, very well, and it's another another good one here that they've landed that, that looks like a, a an old-school Michigan lineman that has got some ability to push the pocket from the strong side end position and play the run. He's uh, really, really exceptional. You know, I like the idea of sticking with trying to get some – some guys on the defensive side of the football. Like they had a couple in obviously the past couple of years, Rashawn Gary and a couple other players. But, you know, you look at the Ohio States and what they've done with their pass rush over the past couple of years. And yes, it helps that they had the Bosa mm-hmm. brothers back to back. But, you know, other programs in the Big Ten are getting after the quarterback. And now Michigan brings in some guys that, hey, uh, maybe they can start getting after the quarterback defensively. There's no question about it. I mean, they've had some good defensive talent. They've recruited pretty well there. We've seen those guys go through the NFL. They've got to keep that cycle going. They've got to fix the offense, but that defense still needs to be very, very stout. Um, And particularly if they can learn how to play with a lead a little bit more, they can really get after the quarterback. 
Our final trending topic of the week here, Chris, and it comes with a little bit of controversy. Art Bryles gets a job uh, high school coaching back in Texas, going Mm -hmm. back to his roots. Uh, The superintendent of the school is defending the hiring of Art Bryles, but as expected, there are a lot of people who are against this. Your take on Art Bryles getting a job at the high school level? Well, I'm a little bit surprised. I thought that he was going to have to get a job somewhere in the pro ranks even if it was XFL, CFL, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. where I think um, you're dealing with more mature players. Here's the reality. Um, Art's is, Art is an outstanding coach. I am all for forgiveness and giving guys another chance. The reality is that I don't think he's truly owned up to a lot of what happened at Baylor, which mm-hmm. was on his watch. And there's no question that the evidence shows that he was complicit He certainly was aware of a lot of things going on with uh, sexual assaults and putting players back on the field. You know, so when you think about it at the college level and certainly at the high school level, boy, I don't know. I think it sends a message, a a very mixed message of, okay, this guy's a really outstanding coach. You're getting an outstanding coach. But, you know, I think you really have to spend some time with this guy and really get to know what's in his heart. And is he really contrite? And and can he really be someone that you trust with your you know your youngsters to do the right thing? I, I I often think somebody that went through what he went through would certainly be a changed man. I, I would absolutely believe that and think that. So I'm all for it if that's what happens. But it is to me a little bit eye raising, very surprising that he got a job. In my opinion on the high school level or college level. I know people will say, Scott, well, the high school level is out of the limelight. Yes, it's out of the limelight, but it's it's with, with young, you know, amateur kids and impressionable kids, and, and you just wonder about that, and you wonder uh, the folks in the community, how they feel about it. I, You know, I'm, I'm sure they're very, very split. He had an interview at Southern Miss to be on their staff, and that was just quickly dismissed. Mm. Um but maybe Listen. something like this, maybe for him, it's it's going back to the roots and, and starting over and kind of rehabbing. Well, for him, yes. Yeah. The issue is not him. The issue is, do you want to hire him if you're a superintendent of a school? Yeah. I, I think that is a fair question to say, what have you done here? Is this the right move? And I'm not here to say it's the wrong move. What I'm hoping and praying is that Art has really learned that he kind of let a lot of things go. And he turned his back on a lot of young people, a lot of female students, and a lot of he let a lot of things go that were abhorrent. And I don't want to sit here in judgment. I certainly have made my mistakes in life, but you know, we all must own up to it. And I just hope that he has contrite enough to to work his way back in the right way, because he's a very talented guy. And I think he has a chance to, you know, to do a lot of great things. And what I hope is that maybe he can use that experience where he maybe can, I'm hoping, maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm foolish, that he can maybe um, spend time with a lot of youngsters explaining how do you how you respect women and not not yeah. basically yep. do what he did. And so I'm hoping and praying that 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 uh, something good comes out of it. But I think it is it is definitely controversial. In fact, I've had more than one people tell me that he won't coach a game in high school, that this is getting such wow. 
negative publicity mm-hmm. that either it's going to calm down or this is going to lead to him basically getting forced out because this this is there are a lot of people that are very discouraged by it and and again at a high school it's going to be more in that community um i don't know because it hasn't hit the big news yet you know it's not like he's gone to a oh, college it, or it's something where there, though, it's getting there though especially on, in it, texas it is and, and and that's what i'm saying is it it's a little bit of a flicker now so if the flicker kind of dies down, uh-huh. he can survive it. If it starts to just, you know, somebody throws gasoline on it, it becomes a bigger news. All of a sudden, somebody else picks it up, and it ends up being on the four-letter network or something else. You can pretty much close the door mm-hmm. that this will be reversed pretty quickly because I'm already sensing that there are a lot of folks that are in revolt against this. So we'll see. Yeah, headline in the Dallas Morning News says, Art Browse is coaching high school football, and it makes us want to turn out the lights. Mm. So mm-hmm. there it is. That's the Dallas Morning News for you. So this is definitely going to be something that we're going to have to keep an eye on uh, over the course of the next several weeks as the season is approaching this fall with that being said chris we move away from what's trending and on to our scouts eye segment of the podcast and i want to start with the player that we mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. with the 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 whole transferring back and forth and we talked a little bit about the type of player that brew mccoy can be for a program but let's get into the scouting aspect of him you mentioned his size and his ability what more do we need to know about brew mccoy and why is he or was he so heavily coveted well, he's a West Coast kid, so that explains a little bit about why he maybe wanted to go um, initially on the West Coast. USC, modern-day kid, a lot of tradition with the USC. So, you know, kid like that grows up and thinks about the Trojans all the time. And yep. we, we talked about where he went to Texas. What I could tell you is the kid is really well-built. Um, he's very athletic. He's very talented. He can run. He's got good strength. He's got good hand-catching ability. He's a two-way player, outstanding body control. Um, he's, I think, an effortless uh, receiver, can catch out of frame. Uh, he plays as an edge rusher for them at, in high school. You see the ability to be able to you know, come off the edge, and you see the body control as a pass rusher. A lot of people thought that he would be an even better safety or grow into an outside backer. He's about 6'2 and change. He's up to 215. And so you could see that, he, him being a linebacker type. He's a receiver. He's a guy that really likes to play on that side of the ball. He's a playmaker. Uh, and I think he's a guy that can go up, win the 50-50 balls. He got great body control. Got great change of direction. Uh, and I think he's going to be an outstanding player at the next level. Obviously, how that offense progresses and develops at USC, we need to first see – as you brought up, is he going to be eligible immediately? But this is uh, a guy that's going to be outstanding. And uh, certainly uh, if he can get um, eligible and he's uh, an early contributor, they've got some good young receivers. But this guy can really help JT Daniels in that offense. I think. Well, uh, that's what I was going to bring up. Like if you're just looking at the offensive potential at both of these schools, and I know that that's not the decision, that that's not the deciding factor for him, but – Sam Ellinger or, or JT Daniels, I think I'm going to have a better season with Sam Ellinger throwing me the football. Well, I don't know. You know, I think that what more what Sam does a little bit more and that offense is a little different. Uh, I think that they throw the football a little bit more at USC. Yep. I think maybe the biggest point with Texas in Texas's favor would be 
maybe more stability. Tom Herman's going to be there uh-huh. throughout the, the, the his career as a player. I don't think we can say that with Clay Hell. Now, I don't know if, if, you know, really this year's a pivotal year. So the fact that it's a little bit of an upheaval, it, let's just call it like it is. And I don't want to speak for the kid. I think the kid's homesick. I think the kid is a, a West be. Coast kid. Could be. And I think that he went to Texas. Um, he, he was on their list. They recruited him very well. He liked him. I think once he's away from there, you know, he realized how much he missed it, the family, all the things that a kid knows, but you know how young kids are today. Um, they, 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 they get excited to go far away from home. Mm -hmm. And then when they're there, it becomes tough. Yeah. I think it's as simply a case of that. I don't think this is all about, well, it's a better football decision. I think it's a personal decision to go on back home where he kind of grew up following a program and um, where his family is nearby. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Uh, one more section of the Scout's Eye portion of this podcast, Chris. I want to talk about the impact of some freshman defensive ends, and, and we'll get into Ohio State's Tariq Smith in just a second. But the big name that everyone's talking about, especially in the Pac-12, is Kayvon Thibodeau who was a major, major, major recruit from Mario Cristobal. And I think this guy's going to have an impact immediately this season. When you watch him on film, when you're scouting him, when you look at where he's going to be playing on this Auburn defensive front and whether they're going to move him around or not, what type of impact can Kayvon Thibodeau have for the Ducks this year? I think he's going to have an early impact as an edge rusher. You know, I would, obviously this time of year breaking down a lot of spring practice tape, and we put a lot of um, film room nuggets, as we call them, in our college notebooks every day at LandryFootball.com. And, and one of the things I made note of is nobody could block them during the, the team <laughs> spring game. And, and, and then this is now again. A lot of times they're going, you're going against the number twos. Now this Oregon offensive line is one of the best offensive lines in the country. Um, now he's again, no one on the twos can block him, but he had some success against uh, some of the top shelf guys as well. Um, he's about 245 now. He's put on a little weight. Um, I think he's going to be working as an edge rusher in edge rusher in the nickel. Um, listen, I think he's worth all the hype, and uh, I think he's going to be a big-time talent for the Ducks. How about Tyreek Smith for Ohio State? Mm. Big boy also. What is he, 6'4", 260, something like that? Absolutely. Uh, Here's what jumps out at me with him, too. Uh, This guy, I think, and and this is an off-defensive line that's very good. Of course, Chase Young is going to replace Nick Bosa and and is going to be a a really key guy there. Um, They've got uh, Jonathan Cooper who's outstanding on the other side. But I think Tyreek Smith is going to be that third guy in the rotation at defensive end. I think he's going to play a lot in nickel. Um, and I think he also has the ability to be an impact player as a true edge rusher. And it's why I kind of wanted to mention both of these guys. We're seeing a lot of these true freshmen. And I've kind of gone through a number of them on LandryFootball.com that I've targeted that are really going to be impactful. And a lot of them on the defensive line. Karlofitis at uh, Purdue's another one. Mm-hmm. There are a whole bunch of them. Uh, USC's got a big one we talked about, I think, last week or the week before. Uh, th- there are a number of these guys that are going to have an impact. Uh, Tyreek Smith, although will not start because of the two elite edge rushers that they got, will be a factor in the rotation for Ohio State. So remember that name, Tyreek Smith. Um, he is outstanding. Um, you know, I, last year um, when, uh, you know, he came in as a true freshman, he had, you know, really good impact early 
I think this offseason has is, is really helped him. Um, so you get a guy like that that's in the system for a little bit. Uh, this, this, to me, I think that's why you, uh, excuse me, um, Ohio State has got one of the better programs talent-wise in the country because they can get a guy like this that can come in, um, you know, come in early last year, get some time, work behind some key guys, now come in with another year in the program. And I think as a, as a, as a redshirt guy, is going to be really uh, impactful for them. Yeah, and doing my prep work for the podcast, you know, I'm uh, reading all the Ohio State reports and, and the blogs and whatnot. And, of course, it's, it's Young and Cooper. But, you know, you throw this guy into the mix, and there's about three or four other guys. This could be like a seven, eight-man rotation on the defensive mm-hmm. line for Ohio State. And when you keep bringing in guys that are fresh that can get after the quarterback, this is going to be a nightmare for the Big Ten. No, this is there's no question about it. This is a this is a very talented group. I mean, this is a, they've got a lot of talent. There's no question about that. They've got a lot of guys that can play um, and rush the passer and be really impactful. And um, it's a group that that's recruited very well. And um, I, it, again, I think if you look at the the incoming guys, Zach Harrison is the true freshman that's coming in that's going to have an impact. They've got a couple of kids on the offensive side, they're going to be impactful. But when you have guys that you can get into your system, get into your program, can be really impactful, and then you can have other young guys that come in, it's going to be an outstanding group. Um, you know, so you got Young, you've got Smith, and you've got Cooper, you've got uh, Cornell, um, you know, Garrett is Baptiste, a good young player, yeah. Teron Vincent. Um, there, there's no question um, that they've got a number of guys that can come in. And then remember the name Zach Harrison. He's the kid that uh, is a true freshman that's coming in that we'll see if he can get any work in. But it's a good group. There's and Tyler Friday, too. So they've got a number of guys. That's that's why they are one of the more talented teams mm-hmm. in the country. And might be the third pick to win the national championship behind Alabama and Clemson going into this season. Moving on to the coach's corner, Chris. Let's break down a specific player, and that player I'm going to look at is Tua Tunga-Vailoa. And not just because I like saying his name over and over again, but it's because Nick (laughs) Saban actually came out, and in a bunch of interviews, he said Tua's got a lot to prove going into this season. So from a coaching perspective, what does Tua have to improve upon here in 2019? Well, I think a lot as well, and I kind of mentioned it, and I've talked a little bit about it on Alabama radio, and we've talked a little bit about it on on um, on Landry football. And that, listen, I think Tua is a dynamic playmaker, but he's had one year of playing, and to remember, remind everybody that he came in in the national championship uh-huh, game the year uh-huh. before. Tua has got to learn how to be a little more patient. He tends to hold the ball long and go for the big play. That's that's not how you win necessarily at the big time level. It's great when you're coming in at halftime and you got to pull the game out against Georgia. There's no doubt about it that that was the intoxicating thing about the young man. And you could see oh, he's a winner and boy, they're going to throw it at Alabama. You've got to be smart. He does not have the body to survive a season in college. And he certainly has zero chance of being an NFL player unless he learns how to protect his body. He has to learn how to get rid of the football quicker, hmm. and he's got to protect his body. He has, I'm going to say this again, a 0% chance of surviving in the NFL. If he takes hits, his body, it, nobody's body. I mean, Cam Newton's body's getting worn down, and he's built like defensive ends. Um, this kid will not survive. He is going to have to learn 
how to play the Russell Wilson role. Uh, when you got a lane, you got an opening, run, slide, don't get hit. They protect you in the NFL for a reason. In college, if Tua goes down, Alabama's not winning the national championship this year. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, they don't need the big play from him. They need the smart play. They will be times where they're going to call upon him to make some big plays, no doubt. But he's got to become better and more proficient at taking the check down and learning to be, you know, the smart play. And I think Alabama has to be a little bit more um, balanced in how they play offense and play more to their defense. I think they got into, and they, they were blowing people out last year, Yeah. but they got into these high-powered offensive games, and I thought they put their defense on the field for too many snaps. Alabama doesn't need to do that. I think that their ability to make big plays as you grow as a quarterback in the league, it's not as much about the plays that you make, but it's the plays that you don't make. And, and, and it's because you touch it on every play. And especially, and so, especially it's also when it when the game's on the line and it comes to crunch time. And look, he, he had a great season last year, but let's not forget, he threw four of his six interceptions during the SEC title game and the, and the national title game. That's correct. That's correct. So... You got and, – and that was – why is it? Well, because he has a tendency to force the ball. You can't do that. Um, in, in most cases, people get fooled because in most of the games that they played last year, you know, he held on the ball way uh, way too long and he made some big plays. So mm-hmm. you get you get the positive self-gratification with that. That's how we do it. Well, no, that's, that's not how you do it because what happens if you do that in big-time moments against better opponents – those mistakes start to happen, and then you got a problem. And so I think I think he has to learn how to take the check down. Let the backs do the work. Dump it down to them. And, and I think those things are things that he can learn, and I think he will learn, and I think that's going to be pivotal for Alabama to get back to the championship game and win it, and I definitely think it's going to be pivotal for his pro career. Now, we're not here to talk about what he needs to improve as a pro prospect, but what he needs to do is improve as a college player and what he needs to improve upon as a pro prospect are the same things because he's got dynamic ability to throw it to spots. I think, you know, he can learn how to get the ball out on time and on rhythm a little bit better, but I think he needs to learn how to make better decisions and not force the football and not always go for the big play and take what the defense gives you. And he doesn't do that. He tends to hold it and hold it, wait for the big play. And he's got the playmakers that can beat guys. Oh yeah. And and he has the ability to throw it into a spot where only the receiver can catch it, but it becomes a little too risky. And uh, uh, very often that big play is a little bit better served to dump it and take a, few more plays, score, and begin to wear down teams. I think that is the better way to go and where I think he needs to go going forward. So that's, in my opinion, what he needs to learn, and I bet that's exactly what Nick Saban's thinking. I love Nick's comment, too. When it, I think it was Feinbaum he was talking to when he said that um, you, you can't focus on the outcomes because what you really need to focus on is what you need to do to get those that's outcomes. That's right. That's right. That's the process. Yeah. That is the process, and that's always people can the case. See the wins, they can see the wins, and they can see the numbers, and they're like, oh, it's great, but they're not actually getting no. down to the minutia right. of what it actually takes no. and what went into getting that win and getting that number. So. Yeah, the, the results don't matter because yes. the results are just that. 
They're the result of what you do. They're the, they're the result of a process. You know, uh, you can the result can be great because your opponent may not be as good, and you're just more physically gifted. Uh-huh. But the the process is doing it correctly. On this play, did you make the right read? Did you get the ball out on time? Um, and, and did you throw it where it's supposed to be? Well, that's what's important. And if you focus on that and only that for that play and the next play and the next meeting and the next practice, if you focus on those little details, it's going to lead to the overall success because the overall success is about doing it the right way. And as we saw, they tend to kind of get away from a little bit of their identity last year and all it did is, man, it, it, it was such a bad season. They went to the national championship <laughs> game, but they didn't win it. And so they got exposed in the championship game. They got exposed a little bit in the semifinals, but they built up a big lead against Oklahoma. So the point is, even doing it in a way that was not quite as good as they normally do it, it was still good enough to make the championship game. But what they want to do is to do it the best way to improve because that is the margin there. They want to do things the right way, the best way, and be motivated. And I think that's another way that the reason why Nick is saying it is he knows that it is going to be positive motivation for Tua, that he's going to challenge him to be better. You can make big plays. We know that. Now we need you to make the prudent decision more often than not and protect the football. And he doesn't turn the football over for the most part. He did at the end of the year. But he protects the football for the most part. But it's about not about making this big-time throw. Is did you make the best decision on that play? Percentage-wise, you completed that pass for a touchdown. But it would have would have been more prudent to be able to dump it and pick up the first down. It would have been a safer play. That's what you have to teach. That's what you have to coach. And that's the difference between watching the game and coaching the game. Uh, and that's what they're trying to get out of Tua. Let's get to one more player here before we wrap up this episode in our uh, coaches' corner segment. Virginia quarterback Bryce Perkins returning from, I think it was finger surgery uh, mm-hmm. that he had. Um, a lot of people might not be focusing in on this guy. And, and in Virginia, it's a basketball school. They're not really focusing on their football team. But when you look at the ACC and you look at the quarterbacks behind Trevor Lawrence, this guy might be up there as one of the top guys that's next in line. Yeah, he's really efficient. Um, And one of the things I wanted to talk about him is how well he has performed when, you know, the pocket's clean. He's got time to make decisions. He's very, very effective. He's really, really good. Um, And and I think that Bronco Bendenall has done a good job with him in this entire offense. Keep an eye out for this guy. Uh, That division's wide open Uh in the the ACC. And I think Bryce Perkins is a guy that's a good leader. He's a good decision maker. Uh, It's just about keeping the pocket clean. You do that, he'll distribute the football very, very well. He's not a great talent, but he's a really outstanding college quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you look at this team, too. Uh, This could be one of the dark horse teams in, in this conference this year. Well, it's wide open, and quite frankly, there's no one that's very good. I keep wondering who's going to get it done, and I really don't know. I mean, I'm uh, no. There's such a huge gap between Clemson and the rest of the league that, uh, I mean, the second team and the eighth team, the tenth team, there's not a whole lot of difference. There's quite frankly a lot of mediocrity 
uh, and I'm being kind mm -hmm. after the greatness of Clemson. So this well, here, is just here, a, the, the tomato thing. can in the AFC champion, ACC championship game. They don't play Clemson in the regular season. They have at Notre Dame, which is going to be a tough game. Of course, yeah, probably there, a loss there, but probably yeah. a loss there. Uh, their other road games are at Miami, at Louisville, at North Carolina, at Pitt. This is not a difficult schedule for Virginia, and they play no, schools no, like William not. and Mary, it's, it's Old not. Dominion, Liberty. This, you know, right? It's not, but probably over those teams you mentioned, they probably lose a couple of games. Yeah. I mean, listen, Pitt went to the ACC championship game last year. Yeah, and, we forget and somebody, that. Somebody, a lot of people forget that. Somebody's going to the ACC championship game this year out of the Coastal, <laughs> and it might be Virginia, and it's probably going to be a team with three or four losses. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're looking for. And, and why not Virginia? But it, it's not like, you know, I expect somebody to be 10 and 2. You know, somebody's going to end up being 8 and 4, maybe 9 and 3, and be pretty mediocre, you know, probably more like 8 and 4 and get there. But Virginia can be that team. Yes, they can. Uh, we look at LandryFootball.com here during this uh, portion of the spring into the summer. And what exactly are we focusing on? Uh, boy, we're focusing on a lot of things right now. We're breaking down, obviously, college rosters, you know, morning, noon, and night. And obviously, we, we're going to start first of June breaking down the NFL rosters as well. But that's what we do right now. We break down the rosters, grade the players, give you a good feel for what's going on around the world of college football, the NFL. Got our daily notebooks that keep you up to date on everything that's going on around transfers, recruiting news, a lot of information, and film room nuggets from what we're getting out of uh, the film room analysis. So if you want to hear some some other freshmen that uh, we, we're not able to get to here, but that's on LandryFootball.com. And, um, you know, the a and has got an outstanding tight end, and Oklahoma's got a trio of freshman receivers. LSU's got a great corner, and a lot of good nuggets that you can find as you prepare for the football season at Landry foot, uh, football season at LandryFootball.com on the college end, and certainly on the pro end, getting uh, getting you up to date on your needs there. Yeah, and right now take advantage of the scattering season sale going on at LandryFootball.com. Get over fifty percent off for less than a magazine subscription. You get all the inside info on the game of football. Don't forget, listen to free podcasts every day on LandryFootball.com from college football, including new daily SEC and Big Ten podcasts, to the NFL. NFL to deep dive into scouting and coaching world. It's all there at LandryFootball.com. You can follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. Follow me on Twitter at Scott's on Air. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review new episodes of the College Football Film Room Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from or check us out on Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Talk to you next week, Chris. Hey, look forward to it, Scott. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.